This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about consumer proposal essentials. So we're going to learn about what a consumer proposal is and some key facts about them. Uh, Consumer proposals are a very powerful solution that you can use to consolidate and cut debt and with their very unique legal standing. They're also Canada's number one alternative to personal bankruptcy. So Blair's going to explain what a consumer proposal is and who could potentially consider using one to manage the debt. So great, Blair, what's, what are the things that people need to know first off if they haven't heard about a consumer proposal? Yeah, I'm thrilled to be able to go through in detail about a consumer proposal. I've been a trustee for 14 years now, and I know the consumers are better informed than ever before. Previously, you know, people had no idea about a proposal. Now, still a lot of folks are coming in with a bit of an idea. Um, But for today, if anyone has never heard that term before, or maybe just has, you know, a a bit of a a surface level understanding of it, we're going to go through the detail here. A consumer proposal is one of the best ways people can consolidate their debt. It's a legal debt solution, allows you to combine all the debt together into a single payment and cut that debt down to what you can actually afford without having to do any borrowing, without having to qualify, without having to put up any assets as collateral, you're going to repay the portion of your consolidated debt that you can afford with one simple monthly payment. So if someone is sitting there with a debt problem and is thinking, okay, I've got a lot of debt right now and I want to be out of debt in five years, you know, one quick uh, calculation we ask people to do is, okay, take the amount of debt that you have and divide that by 60. What does that payment look like? Because if if all the interest were stopped and you had to get out of debt in five years, what would that payment look like? Well, with a consumer proposal, take that payment and reduce it by half or sometimes reduce it by up to 80%. That type of interest-free debt reduction is possible with a consumer proposal debt consolidation. So we work with a licensed insolvency trustee and only a licensed insolvency trustee can help you with a consumer proposal to repay the amount of the debt that you can afford and your creditors agree to write off the unpaid balance in full settlement of your accounts. So it might sound too good to be true, but I can tell you upwards of 85% of people that come come to see us at Sands and Associates each month now are choosing to file consumer proposals and those proposals are almost always accepted by creditors up to 99% of the time creditors will accept a consumer proposal there's very few qualifiers to do a consumer proposal and because they're so flexible it makes them a top choice in many different situations so in terms of what you need to qualify to do a proposal you have to owe more than $1000 and less than $250,000 ex- excluding your your mortgage on your principal residence. And if it's a joint proposal, meaning perhaps a husband and a wife are going to be doing a proposal together, that threshold is up to $500,000. So there are very few people who have unsecured debt approaching anywhere near that. So no matter how severe your situation might seem, a consumer proposal is a worthy option to consider, even if it's up to a quarter of a million dollars in debt just for yourself. 
Um, $1,000 is the minimum to do a proposal. And I can tell you, nobody files a proposal for just $1,000 in debt. But sometimes people do file proposals for $5,000 in debt that's owed to high interest payday loan companies, because they know if they don't do that, well, next month, you know, it's going to be higher. And the year after that, it may have doubled just based on interest. So a proposal can be tailored to unique situations. Um, there's no income cap, no asset restrictions. And as I mentioned, no credit check required. So whatever your situation is, a consumer proposal is based on your ability to pay. It's not based on you having to jump through hoops and having a perfect credit rating. A lot of people do have perfect credit ratings when they do a proposal. They're making all of their payments, but they know that they're just never going to pay off their debt or they could have been delinquent on their debts for many months. It really doesn't matter in a proposal because you're not doing any borrowing. Um, and what's important too is if someone has tried to consolidate their debts uh, through their bank, they're often asked, okay, if we're going to give you this consolidation loan, you know, we want a co-signer or we want you to pledge an asset as collateral so that if you don't pay, uh, the bank can make sure that they've got some recourse. That is never a situation in a consumer proposal. You don't need a co-signer. You don't need to, to pledge assets. Uh, it really is the most powerful debt resolution option that you may never have heard of. And I, I just want to throw in too, uh, often the, I know there's concerns about when you're in a, in a partnership with somebody and I'm in debt, but my partner isn't, it, you really do this on an individual basis. And I, I just, it, that's correct, right? Yeah, there's nothing that would compel one spouse to file a proposal just because the other spouse did. There's nothing that automatically makes debts joint after a, a being married or cohabitating for a period of time. We've talked about that a lot on the show, Elaine. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future, but that's a common misconception. But it's yeah. certainly possible for uh, one partner in a romantic relationship. If all of the debts and assets are separate, one person can do a remedy like a proposal and literally have zero impact on the other person's credit, assets, debt, or income. It doesn't impact kids, spouses, family members, only somebody who is already on your debts would you have to consider. And we would never encourage you to suddenly get co-signers involved. If they're not already there, just definitely don't enlarge the problem. Yeah, excellent. Okay. And so if, if you've been listening to this and you already know, okay, now I need to take some action because I'm not sure about my situation. I'm not sure about the details. I just actually don't know what to do. So the one, the number is 1-800-661-3030. Sands and Associates has offices literally all over British Columbia. So if you, you know, if you think or know that this is worth exploring further and you want to talk to somebody about it, that's the phone number. 1-800-661-3030. 3030. Also their website, sans-trustee.com. You can access offices through their website as well. Um, what are some of the other advantages of a consumer proposal that can make them so appealing, uh, such a good option for many different kinds of people? Well, you can use a consumer proposal to consolidate virtually all types of debts, which is way more powerful than any other informal debt option that might be out there, like working with a credit counselor, for example. So a proposal can cover common consumer debts like credit cards, overdrafts, lines of credit, payday loans. Um, you know, those are pretty typical, but a lot of people don't understand any amounts that you owe to the government, things like outstanding income taxes, maybe it's a CERB overpayment at this point, student loans, um, even ICBC debt, um, all of that can be compromised and dealt with in a consumer proposal, which is quite surprising for people. Other than filing for personal bankruptcy or making an arrangement to pay off your government debt in full, a consumer proposal is the only method of debt reduction that the government will ever accept in order to forgive your debts. 
And when you file a consumer proposal, it doesn't restrict you from accessing government benefits in the past. So just because you have a CERB overpayment now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to get your Canada child benefit in the future or anything else that you're entitled to from the government. What you get when you file a consumer proposal is you get protection from your creditors, and that includes the government as well. So it stops CRA from being able to seize your bank account um, to start to, to garnish your wages or work with your employer. Every creditor is put on equal footing when you do a consumer proposal, um, including the government. You know, another big example or big advantage other than they can cover just about every debt is that you're repaying your debt without interest charges. So what happens when you file a proposal is legally everything gets frozen. So a lot of the times people just feel hopeless. The debts are running away from them at 25, 30% or even more interest on an annual basis. They're making their minimum payments, but they're just not getting ahead. When you file a proposal, that interest is halted automatically. And that's a benefit that happens the day you sign the proposal without any negotiation or haggling. Uh, I think the final point of, of advantage here, and, and there are many, um, is it's going to be the lowest monthly payment of any of your consolidation options. So even working with a credit counselor, the best you can typically get is an interest freeze, but you have to pay all the debts back in full. With a consumer, When you do a, a consolidation loan, for example, you're not getting an interest freeze. You're hopefully getting a lower interest rate to save you a bit of money, but you're still paying the debt back in full. When you do a consumer proposal, you're paying back what you can afford. And it's not unheard of that people are paying back 20 cents on the dollar, 25 cents, 15 cents. You know, just that proportion that's going to allow you to live without undue hardship. That's what you're asked to pay back in a consumer proposal. And the terms are flexible. It's not the never, never plan. You'll be paying this for 10, 15, or 20 years. And if you look at your credit card statements, you might see you'll be paying your minimum payments for decades. Uh, in a consumer proposal, the maximum term is five years, and you can pay it off sooner at any point without any penalty. If things improve, and they often do once people are out from under the stress of debt, you can make extra payments to pay off that partial settlement sooner and then just move on with your life. Excellent. Um, in the remaining time, we've got about three minutes or so, Blair. So I know that there's other key facts about why proposals, um, how they work and why you think, uh, are, you know, just that are really important to highlight for folks. Mm -hmm. And I think the number one thing, and we've mentioned it already, or we also, we often mention it at least once a segment even, is that you have to talk to a licensed insolvency trustee in order mm -hmm. to do a consumer proposal. You cannot listen or buy into anybody else other than an LIT uh, to do this kind of work. Exactly. It's not something you can do on your own. You can imagine the response you would get if you phone up the big bank that you owe money to and say, hey, how's 15 cents on the dollar payable over five years with no interest? You know, I might hear the laughter from here, unfortunately. They're just not going to be interested in that. And there's no other professional other than an LIT that can help you. So if you see some advertisements that look like they're, they're advertising a consumer proposal, your first question to them should be, are you a licensed insolvency trustee? And if they're not, know that you are at risk of being scammed of paying money that you don't need to pay and eventually just getting introduced to a trustee but probably after at least a few months of additional payments additional stress that you just don't don't need to go through uh, you know consumer debt management it's an area of expertise it's got a lot of complexity to it uh, and even accountants or financial planners they don't always know the ins and outs so you do have to be careful about where you're getting advice from and if you take nothing else away just understand that a licensed insolvency trustee is the person 
that can file a proposal, not anybody else in their stead and not something you can do on your own. And the great thing about working with an insolvency trustee is you don't need to pay anything to have a consultation, whatever it takes to help you understand before you commit to any pro process, you're not going to be out of pocket a single dime and everything is transparent. You're going to see exactly uh, what the proposal will do for you, um, how the fees work, and they're generally deducted from what you're offering to your creditors. So you're not bearing any extra cost of doing a proposal. It's all supervised through a government tariff. Uh, I think the final thing to leave people with is a lot of people think, well, what are we not mentioning? What's the catch here? It must destroy my credit rating. And it really doesn't. There is an impact to your credit rating, but it's short term. A proposal drops off your credit rating just as like it never happened. Uh, the earlier of three years from you pay it off, or six years from the day that you sign it. So it's not as severe as a bankruptcy. And it's something if it's a five year proposal, literally a year after you're done paying it, it's gone. And you can be rebuilding your credit at any point, you can start with a secured credit card, you know, start paying all the bills all on time forever. And you will be in a much better shape after doing a proposal than you would be if you just hunkered down, tried to preserve your credit rating and just paid minimum payments forever. This segment is all about debt management plans, the pros and the cons to consider. And Blair's going to walk us through comparing the pros and the cons of five different strategies to help you get out of debt. Dealing with debt can feel pretty frustrating. Everyone knows that. But the truth is that debt is often the problem, like many others, that it does have solutions. And so Blair's going to walk us through those common debt solutions available to you and me, as well as some key points highlighting the pros and cons of each. So Blair, how would you categorize the different types of debt management plans available to us out there? Well, I'd say there's three main ways you can try to get out of debt. There's what we'll call the do-it-yourself debt repayment plans, and we'll talk about options under there. There's informal debt repayment plans, and then there's formal debt management and debt relief solutions. And a lot of people are unsure what to look for, what to consider, or even where to start when they need to think about how they're going to manage their debt. But you're not alone in navigating these situations. Um, Every day, licensed insolvency trustees sit down with, with potential clients and they take them through all of the suite of options. We're going to go through five options today in a fair amount of detail that cover really all three of these, these different types of debt relief options. A lot of people have different ways they can try to move forward, but there is often, you know, one solution that really stands out as the best fit for them and a trustee is going to help you figure that out. Cool. So what's the first one we're going to talk about? Yeah, so let's talk about under the do-it-yourself plan um, is paying off your debt in full. So we never want to discount that because sometimes if someone comes in, uh, the debt is relatively manageable. They've got some money they can do they can use to pay down the debt. What they need is just some informal coaching. So what you'd need is a balanced personal budget, the ability to stick to it, and you might not need any more help than that. Uh, in some cases, you can informally negotiate with your lenders to get reduced interest rates on your accounts. Make sure you understand understand if there's going to be any impact to your credit. But if you're paying all the debt back in full, your creditors agree to give you a slight break on the interest, you know, that might be a pretty good option if you're able to do so. The downsides of paying all your debt back in full is, well, you just might not be able to do it. 
you know, it might be very difficult for you to pay substantially more than your minimum monthly payments. And if you're not doing a whole lot more than your minimum monthly payments, you're going to be in debt for a very long time. You may never see that zero balance on your debts. Um, and then sometimes if you've got a budget that doesn't allow you to make any savings whatsoever, you could be vulnerable. If there's any significant external thing that happens, uh, any upset to your budget, it might set you back significantly and take you off of that plan to pay back your debt. So paying off your debt in full, uh, it's one of those do-it-yourself strategies can be good, but also can, can be quite difficult to accomplish. What about those consolidation loans that we hear so much about these days? Yeah, a consolidation loan sounds great. And what a consolidation loan means is that you have one payment, you put all of your debt together. Uh, it's usually at a lower interest rate than you'd be paying on all the individual debts. And you've got some simplicity because you're not juggling multiple debts and payment due dates anymore. Uh, the challenge with consolidation loans is they're often very difficult to qualify for. So a lot of people that come in to see us, they say, well, you weren't my first stop. I went to the bank first and I tried to consolidate. And they said, you know, unless I was willing to pledge an asset, you know, like my car, for example, uh, or maybe some investments, whatever it was, or to get a co-signer, they weren't willing to do anything for me. Uh, and both of those things can be very risky, especially getting a co-signer that can be just adding a whole other level of emotional response responsibility to a debt that can really reduce your flexibility in the future. So you want to talk in detail with a trustee before you get a consolidation loan if they are requiring you to pledge assets uh, or to get a co-signer. Uh, the other potential challenge with a consolidation loan is you have to repay all your debts in full plus interest and the interest might be lower, but it still might mean your payments, even with the lower interest rate, can be difficult to afford and carrying that debt can still be expensive. Okay. And I just want to throw in an opportunity here, that whole co-signing idea. You are not a fan of that. No. When is it wise? What do we say? Almost never. Uh, the amount of folks I've sat down with that said, you know, I didn't think the co-signer would actually be fully responsible. I'm like, well, yeah, that, that's why the bank wants them to sign. And then I'm trying to help somebody reduce their debt in a consumer proposal, but their mom or dad or brother or sister or spouse would still be responsible to pay the debt, even if we reduce it for the individual. So it just really adds another layer of complexity. It's almost never a good idea. Yeah, thanks for throwing that in. Have you got any other a few tips to of uh, for success that we before we move on to the next category? Yeah, one of the most important things on a consolidation loan is if you do, or if you are able to consolidate your debt, you really have to stop using those other credit cards. So whether you throw them away, put them in the freezer, chop them up, or whatever. But I've seen so many examples where someone comes in, they've got their credit cards. And they've got this consolidation loan that was originally taken out for these credit cards. The cards all went to zero, but then because they didn't adjust their budget, they started to use credit again. And now they've got double the debt problem that they had before. So you have to be disciplined. And it means the consolidation has to be affordable for you. If it's going to ca cause you to rely on credit just to live, well, that's not a good long-term strategy at all. Okay. I want to throw in the phone number for Sands & Associates offices all over British Columbia. It's a 1-800 number, 661-3030. Their website is great, filled with lots of good information for you, sands-trustee.com. And you can also make an appointment at one of the offices through the website as well. So let's talk about that informal debt repayment plan. 
Yeah, there's a couple of different types of informal debt agents that operate, and they're not all created equal. So some come with some significant buyer beware disclaimers. Uh, a couple of the most common informal debt repayment options are to use a credit counseling service. So if you have a small amount of debt, you might be able to simplify your finances with a credit counselor that could potentially consolidate your eligible debts into an informal credit counseling plan, which would require monthly payments of up to five years. What happens when you work with a credit counselor is if creditors agree to be part of the plan, and not all creditors do, for example, government will never be part of this plan, you pay off all of your debt, but certain creditors might agree not to charge you any further interest. Uh, the advantages here is obviously you save on the interest and it's much easier to qualify for a credit counseling plan than to get a consolidation loan and you won't need a cosign or you won't need to pledge assets as security. And then the best credit counselors, again, not all are bad, not all are good. You just have to be careful, but the best ones will provide educational resources and money management workshops as part of the process to try to give you some really good tools to move forward. The downside of using a credit counseling plan is because it's informal, um, creditors can opt in or out of that at any point, and some creditors will decide, well, we just don't work with credit counselors at all. And as I mentioned, government debts will never be included in a credit counseling plan. So an income tax debt, a student loan, a CERB overpayment, that just can't be dealt with at all informally. Uh, you will have to pay some fees. So you're paying back all the debt in full, plus some fees on top of it, even if it's a not-for-profit credit counseling society, um, you will still be charged some fees to use their service. And then you need to understand too, there can be some conflicts of interest or conflicts of objectives because most credit counselors, especially not-for-profits, are heavily bank funded and some are even registered as collection agents. So you need to understand the objective of the person who's giving you advice might be to get you to pay back all the debt in full, whereas you might have a better option out there, but they won't tell you about that because a lot of their funding comes from the banks and their mandate is to just get as much of that money back as possible. Uh, one of the more risky informal uh, type of agent is called a debt settlement agent. And the way a debt settlement agent works is they try to negotiate a one-time repayment for just a portion of the debt. So maybe it's, you know, half of the debt outstanding with a lump sum payment six months from now, but it's exceptionally risky to work with a debt settlement agent. Uh, it's really not highly regulated. Oftentimes there are upfront fees and their fees get charged regardless of success or not. And you have to be careful about the advertising. Sometimes things are promised that just aren't delivered. So for the most part, people that try debt settlement, um, they get frozen in the stage of, okay, I'm going to accumulate that lump sum payment. And all the time they're just paying fees and getting harassed by their creditors. So it's a very risky strategy, but it is somebody else that's out there. Do you want to mention the other cautions that you have about credit counseling? Because I think they're important too. Well, you need to understand that because it's an informal type of a remedy, um, anybody can call themselves a credit counselor. So you really want to take a look closely at the agency, how reputable are they, how long have they been around, look at reviews. But also you need to understand even the most reputable and established credit counselors cannot offer you any protection from your creditors and they can't compel your creditors to accept their services or your offer. So this is quite different than working with a trustee. As we've talked in the past, if you do a proposal, we just need a majority of your creditors to agree and everybody else is legally bound by it. On a credit counseling plan, every creditor must agree and they could opt out at any time. There's really no law that protects you when you're dealing informally. 
Okay. Now the next one, the formal debt management uh, plan is the one or the two that only a licensed insolvency trustee in this fine country of ours can facilitate for you. And I think that's really important uh, to make note of. Nobody else can do this work for you. And let's talk about, let's talk about the two, the two uh, plans that we could use. Exactly. So if you're going to use a formal debt, relu- debt resolution option, only an LIT, a licensed insolvency trustee can help you. And an LIT is all that you need. You don't need an agent, an advisor, any middleman, anything like that. An LIT can help you with making a consumer proposal where you consolidate all of your debt, reduce it down to what you can afford, and you don't pay a dollar of additional fees on top of that. So the government sets out a tariff that allows trustees to keep a portion of your monthly payment, essentially it's forcing the creditors to pay the cost of your proposal. So as you go through with an LIT, it's a formal process. It's legally supervised. There is a dispute resolution process and it costs you nothing, at least with Sands and Associates, nothing for a free consultation, nothing to prepare a proposal. Um, And in general, people pay significantly less in a proposal than they would pay under any other debt resolution option. Uh, The downside of doing a consumer proposal is, of course, anytime you don't pay your debt back in full, your credit takes a hit, but it's not exceptionally severe. And most of the times, within a year of you paying off your proposal, that credit rating impact is gone. It never appears there again. It's like it never happened, and you avoided a bankruptcy. Uh, Just in our last few minutes here, or a few seconds here, um, the other formal debt resolution option that a, a trustee can offer is a personal bankruptcy. That's always the last resort if a proposal isn't possible because the debts are too high or the income is too low that even part partial payment doesn't work. A bankruptcy does get you back to owing nobody anything. It gets you back to a fresh start and it releases all the debt stress that you might be feeling and dealing with debt that you just can't pay back. And I want to throw in uh, this point as well, is that you may think personal bankruptcy is the only option that you have. And I know Blair has talked numerous times about the folks are surprised. It's like, oh, no, I could do a consumer proposal, which, again, it's a, it's a different breed altogether than a personal bankruptcy. And uh, it may be the best solution for you. And the only way to find that out is to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee at Sands and Associates. They have offices all over British Columbia. And this is an opportunity for you to sit down, learn, understand, compare, and choose the best debt option for you. The phone number 1-800-661-3030, their website sands-trustee.com. We're going to talk about government debt. Uh, That's everything from tax debt to student loans to those CERB overpayments, as well as others. We're going to learn about the options to solve that unmanageable, what feels like unmanageable government debt. Lots of folks, I know you you may be surprised to learn that there's some very good debt solutions that can help you consolidate and cut virtually all your debt, even those government debts, like the CERB overpayments, which, you know, what, two years ago? three years ago, Blair, we didn't even have that word as something that we knew what it was. And now we're oh, exactly. inundated, right? Uh, yeah, as well the as CERB, the SEBA, there's a lot of new acronyms. Great stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And that also includes tax balances, student loans. Blair's going to explain all the options. So Blair, let's start. Options that folks have that can help them address government debt. And, and I know we've talked before that there's a lot of folks that are facing government debt, especially with those CERB overpayments. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the biggest thing to take away, Elaine, is that there are options. You know, there's there's typically three ways you can approach having a government debt. You know, one is, of course, we'll try to pay it as, as it comes due. And obviously, that's everybody's objective. If that's not possible, there are two options that you have to legally reduce or eliminate debts owing to government. Uh, one is a consumer proposal, which we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, and the second is a personal bankruptcy. Uh, but both of those can apply to government debt. Just about any amount that you owe to the government can be reduced or compromised. Uh, When you do a consumer proposal, what happens is you're making an offer. And if the government is your only creditor, it's an offer directly to Canada Revenue Agency, where you're saying, you know, Canada Revenue Agency, I could file for bankruptcy and you guys might not get much of this debt back, but I'm going to offer you a better option here. I'm going to offer you to repay what I can afford on the debt. Um, You know, typically it's in the range of 20 to 50% of the balance outstanding. You know, every situation is a little bit different, but it's meant to be a win-win and that you should showed the creditors that, hey, I could file a bankruptcy, but I don't want to do that. The win to me is avoiding a bankruptcy. The win to your creditors is that you're offering them back some repayment where they might get zero repayment back if you were to file a bankruptcy. So when you file a consumer proposal, the debt is frozen. There's no further interest that gets charged on it. Um, The government is restrained, just like every other creditor, from taking any action against you. So if your bank account is frozen, it has to be lifted. If your wages are being seized, that has to stop. If the government is calling you or having collection agents on you, all of those things have to come to a grinding halt when you file a consumer proposal. And all you're required to do is make the best offer possible. And then provided that's accepted by your creditors, which in almost every case it is, um, that protection becomes permanent and you just satisfy the terms of the proposal, which is usually paying back a significantly reduced portion of the debt with no extra cost, no interest, uh, no fees on top of that. Uh, If a proposal is not possible and sometimes the tax that has arisen over you know a 10 or 20 year period it might be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and the person just doesn't have the means to offer back you know even a 20 or 25 percent repayment well personal bankruptcy is an option that's always available that can deal uh, in general with a hundred percent of debts owing to government uh, what happens when you file a consumer proposal is it gives you that same protection so when you file a personal bankruptcy is it gives you that same protection as if you had filed the consumer proposal So no more wage seizures, no more bank garnishments, no more harassment. And for most people, they're able to start and finish the bankruptcy inside a nine-month period uh, that allows them to reset back to zero. So two big options people have with government debt. A lot of folks think they have zero options, just pay it in full or keep paying until until you exit this earth here. But there's certainly two options that can significantly reduce and eliminate government debt. So if government debt is what's keeping you up at night night and awake all night long, worried, sick about it, Sands & Associates is your next call. It's 1-800-661-3030. They have offices all over British Columbia uh, and have all kinds of ways of helping you and and connecting with you. Uh, And the website is also in there, too, is a great one, sands-trustee.com. What are some of the different types of government debts and other types of debts that a consumer proposal or bankruptcy uh, that you can help people resolve, Blair? Yeah, what's great about working with a trustee is everything we do is set in federal law and it's incredibly broad. Essentially, it's just about every consumer debt you can think of with very few exceptions. So let me give you the highlights here. So your typical consumer and business debts like credit cards, payday loans, lines of credit, overdraft, 
Bank loans, anything you can think about you would typically borrow can be either reduced or eliminated through a proposal or a bankruptcy. Um, tax debt can arise in various different ways, but it can all be dealt with. So things like personal income taxes, uh, GST from your business, um, even if you haven't registered for a GST account, sometimes CRA will assess you saying, well, you should have been collecting GST and we want that money now. Uh, you can reduce that amount in a proposal or in a bankruptcy. Uh, even payroll source deduction remittances, so taxes you're supposed to withhold from employees and remit to the government. If you get behind on that, you can deal with that um, as a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. Um, student loans, ICBC debt, uh, MSP premiums, which have been a, a gone for a few years, but there's still balances outstanding there that are still being collected upon that can be dealt with. Um, debts for a business where you've signed a personal guarantee, personal debts, maybe to another person. So it's a very long list. I could probably go on just any type of debt you can think of can typically be included. Uh, the few debts that can't be included are things like child support payments, some court fines, and certain types of damages, money owing for things stolen. Um, and the last one is just a very recent student loan. So if you've been a student in the last five to seven years and you file a bankruptcy or a proposal, that debt will survive the proceeding, meaning you'll still have to pay it. All your other debt would be gone, but that one would still be there. If it's been at least seven years since you've been a student, student loans are the same as every other debt and they're absolutely able to be eliminated or reduced working with a trustee. Okay. Blair, is it possible to wait out a government debt? Typically, no is the answer. So sometimes when someone comes in with, you know, I just got this collection call from a 10-year-old TELUS debt, we're quite happy to tell them, well, there's a statute of limitations on consumer debts of two years in BC. So really, there's not much that you need to worry about. That doesn't apply to government debt. So government debt doesn't go away. It doesn't expire. And quite often, there's an extra level of worry, stress, and anxiety because when you're dealing with the government, they've got more power than any other creditor to take strong steps against you to really make you feel the pain of owing money. And they can do these things with very little warning to you. So the basic things like charging you interest and penalties, we all know about that. But they can start to seize all of your tax refunds, seize your benefits. Uh, even now, if you're collecting EI and you have a SERB debt, um, CRA is going to seize 50% of your EI benefits to repay that SERB debt. So you can imagine someone who's in between jobs, depending on EI, only getting 50 cents on the dollar of what they're entitled to because CRA is offsetting against another debt. Um, CRA can freeze your bank account, um, seize assets, and even seize wages far in excess of what a court would allow. So typically in the province of BC, if your wages are getting seized, it's up to 30% of those wages. Um, CRA can go up to 100% and even take pension income. Now, none of these things are the first things that they do, but they've got a lot of tools in their toolkit that if you ignore the debt, if you try to wait it out, eventually it will get so severe that some of these actions will be taken against you. I know there's a number one thing uh, that you suggest people avoid doing in this kind of a situation when it comes to government debt. And what is that? Yeah, I'd say there, there's two things. The number one thing by far is just don't ignore the situation. Don't avoid the issue. The worst thing you can do to CRA is to be a non-filer. You know, CRA, they're very good box checkers. They want to be able to check the box every year. Okay, we've got that tax tax return in. Even if you owe money, it's never in your best interest to not file those returns. So don't ignore, don't suddenly go off the grid. You're really not going to help yourself. Um, even if you can't pay, just filing the returns on time is going to help you avoid late filing penalties which 
which can be significant. Um, the second thing to avoid is you really don't want to avoid transferring or moving around assets if you've already got a debt problem. If you know that you owe money to CRA and you suddenly try to put your house out of your name or sell an asset for you know pennies on the dollar to a family member, um, CRA can make it very difficult for you and for the person that you've sold or transferred that asset to. They can take court proceedings, you know, transfer assets back, um, and then you know have some penalties against you for taking that action. So I definitely understand the instinct sometimes is to try to move assets to protect them, but you definitely want to talk to a trustee first because the assets you're considering might be exempt anyway. You know, your RSPs are going to be safe. Your pension is going to be safe. So you definitely just want to get the right advice before you contemplate anything. So don't ignore and don't move things around until you've gotten some really good advice from a trustee. Now, this segment, it's it's going to be a, a good one if you've had lots of questions or not too sure about what a licensed insolvency trustee is or how you work with one and what does it feel like, blah, blah, blah. We're going to cover all of those things, the why, the how, and what to expect when you get debt help from a licensed insolvency trustee. Uh, it's all about getting good advice and, of course, helping managing your debt or, or even solving the debt problem. Blair's going to talk about the ins and outs of working with a licensed insolvency trustee. And I guess we'll just start in from a really basic uh, question, Blair. When and why would I have to work with a licensed insolvency trustee? Well, so a licensed insolvency trustee is the only federally regulated, legally qualified and endorsed debt help expert. So you turn to a licensed insolvency trustee when you're facing a challenge in managing your debts. Um, you know, typically people have different circumstances, but quite often people come to us when they're feeling worried or they're struggling with their debt. It might be their monthly payments. They're just not sure how they're ever going to pay their debt off. Uh, sometimes people want some professional help and support in making a plan to repay their debt. Um, some folks have fallen behind or are about to fall behind or their accounts have already gone to collections. Um, in some cases, things are fine with most of their debts, but there's one difficult creditor who is just making their life a, a challenge and is perhaps threatening some court actions. Um, sometimes folks know that they need some debt relief or some debt forgiveness because there's just no way they're able to pay their debts off in full. Whatever the reasons are for someone to reach out, a trustee's job is to help people deal with their debt problem, to get that financial fresh start to back to the point where they owe nobody anything. Uh, and the start of how you get start to get that help is you have a free confidential consultation. You sit down together with the licensed insolvency trustee, and it's going to be a full discussion to talk about your situation, your objectives, looking at all of the options that are out there. Are there some informal options that might be able to help you? Um, are there some formal options, things like whether it's a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal that are really going to be what you need to get back on track? In less than an hour with that first meeting, you're going to have clarity on your situation and out line of next steps. And if you choose to go forward, you're going to work directly with that licensed insolvency trustee to help restructure the debts. Uh, if you're like the 90% of people we see who choose a consumer proposal or the 10% of folks who need to go through a personal bankruptcy, only a trustee can give you access to those remedies. Yeah, and really important. And when Blair says only a trustee is going to be able to help you, uh, they're federally regulated and the only ones who can facilitate a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, as well as give you all kinds of really good information uh, to take other action if you want to do that as well. So really important that these that a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one in this country who has the... Um, has the ability 
and is federally regulated to take on that responsibility with you and for you. Um, how does the a consumer proposal work, Blair, and how is it different to a bankruptcy for folks who just aren't sure? Well, a consumer proposal is the solution of choice for someone that needs to legally consolidate and reduce their debt so they just know they can't afford to pay things off in full. And what a consumer proposal allows you to do is to make a formal offer to repay your creditors a portion of the balance, essentially what you can afford that's not going to put you into hardship. When you file a consumer proposal, all of your debts are combined into a single consolidated payment. You usually make monthly payments and it covers virtually all of your consumer debts, everything from consumer sorry, from credit cards to payday loans, serve overpayments, CRA taxes, student loans, uh, and more. And typically debts are cut by 50 to 80% or even more, depending on the individual circumstances. And you get up to five years to complete your proposal payments. What happens when a proposal is accepted is creditors lose any ability um, to continue to charge interest or to pursue you for the debt. And once that proposal is paid off, once the terms are satisfied, which is you make the payments and you attend two financial counseling sessions, that debt is legally discharged, meaning that even though you might have only paid 20 cents on the dollar, as soon as you've satisfied your proposal, legally that debt is written off in full as if it had been 100% paid. It can never again, you can never again be pursued for that debt. Um, what a trustee does when you do a consumer proposal is a trustee assembles all the required paperwork. They structure the proposal for you. They notify the creditors. They take over all the creditor communications. And then they're your resources as well, providing you with financial counseling and answering your questions as the proposal goes along. So again, for about 90% of people that we see who are asking for our help, a consumer proposal is a godsend. It's just exactly what they're looking for to get back on track without a bankruptcy. Now, for about 10% of people, bankruptcy is what they need to do. And in some cases, you know, it's an ICBC accident where insurance wasn't covered and the debt is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and trying to offer back, you know, even 20% or 15% of the debt of a, hundred, of a few hundred thousand dollars can just be unaffordable for certain situations. So the way a bankruptcy works is if you know that you're not able to make a reasonable repayment on the amount of debt that you've incurred, uh, you meet with a trustee and bankruptcy operates to give you a financial reset. So you end up back owing nobody anything. Most people in a bankruptcy start and finish inside of nine months. Um, and usually the cost of the bankruptcy is just some basic administration fees cover it costing about $2,300 over that nine month period. Um, there's extra duties a person has to do in a bankruptcy. You know, they have to give some tax information. Um, they may have to report their income every month, which is a little different than a proposal. But essentially, a proposal is a great option if you're able to perform it. And a bankruptcy is the last resort. If a proposal is not feasible for you and you need that fresh financial start, a bankruptcy is your other legal option to get you back to owing nobody anything. Okay, Blair, but how does a licensed insolvency trustee get paid for mm -hmm. all of this work? And there's a lot of work involved on your behalf to, to facilitate either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. How do you get mm -hmm. paid for that work? And that's a great question and one I'm happy to answer head on because it's always people are thinking, well, what's the catch here? It sounds too good to be true. And I'm a financial skeptic myself. So I thought it was too good to be true when I first heard about a proposal. The way a, a trustee gets paid in a proposal is out of your payments. So there's nothing extra that you're ever charged. The government has a single consumer proposal tariff that every trustee in Canada, all 1,000 of them or so, um, is subject to. So what it means is, let's say you were doing a consumer proposal and you were offering back 10000 
$3,800, maybe it was on a $30,000 debt or something, you'd be paying about $300 a month for 36 months, and that's all that you would be paying. That covers the trustee's cost, the government filing fees, the counseling fees, everything like that. Essentially, once we've determined what you can afford to repay back on your debts, your creditors are paying the cost of the proposal, and they get the balance of what's left over after the trustee um, has essentially taken their fees. Um, at Sands & Associates, you don't pay anything upfront when you file a consumer proposal. Um, all you do is agree to start making those monthly payments. And if you meet with us three or four times, you decide, hey, you know what, I just really don't want to do this proposal after all, you're never going to get a bill for us for services. Nothing like that will just wish you well and you know, hey, we're still here for you in the future. If you do a proposal and let's say a couple months in something so drastic happened and you're not able to perform the proposal, you might have only paid a few hundred dollars. There will never be a bill from your trustee saying, well, here's my cost. Here's all the time that I've incurred. So certainly the trustee takes a bit of a risk on every proposal that if people don't pay it off, the trustee doesn't get paid, but it's a risk we're very comfortable taking. And the takeaway to the individual is there's nothing extra you're ever going to be charged when you do a consumer proposal. Now, Blair, we're inundated with advertising all the time of all kinds of help other than a licensed insolvency mm -hmm. trustee. So can we talk a little bit about that in the last minute or so? Yeah, it, it's very, very straightforward. It's just say no. If you're not dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee and someone is telling you that they can do a consumer proposal, you need to run the other way. If they're lying to you, they're actually committing an offense and representing themselves to be a trustee when they're not. And it's amazing the number of people I see who sometimes have spent two, three, even $4,000 thinking they were working with a trustee. And just at the end of the stage, they realize, oh, well, I'm meeting the trustee now and I could have done this for free. Um, so definitely never pay anything to get a proposal together and only deal with a licensed insolvency trustee. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.